Welcome to Crab Takes in Football. This is what the Baltimore Sports Report does. I am TK, joined by Andrew Holly. Holly, how are we doing? I'm doing well, sir. Doing well. You know, it, it's an interesting uh, Monday. Of course, we're recording the show on a Monday. Uh, it, it's a fun day in Birdland. Not only are we celebrating a Ravens win, a 20-12 to 12 win over the Buccaneers that we're here to talk about today, but welcome to Birdland, Brandon Hyde, the new manager for the Orioles. So it's a big day, big day in Baltimore. Absolutely exciting times in Baltimore. I'm sure Brandon Hyde is going to be a listener of ours very soon, so we'll welcome him to the program. Special shout out to him. Um, absolutely future future friend of the show, Brandon Hyde. Yes, absolutely. Um, so like you mentioned, the Ravens also got a win yesterday, 20-12 to 12 over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Kind of a just really ugly day uh, all up and down the East Coast, I guess. You know, Baltimore was rainy windy and cold it was pretty crappy in in new york city as well so glad that's out of the way but the ravens get a nice win after kind of a slow start so we will go through our usual uh, agenda here we'll go offense defense special teams we'll hand out a game ball talk about our pop of the week uh we will go and put somebody on notice with some bulletin board material We'll go over to Mike Long, who was not only inside the bank, but he was down on the field itself for warm-ups and an extra little bit. And uh, we will look forward to Week 16 against a surging Los Angeles Chargers team. So, like I said, kind of an ugly day and an ugly start for the Ravens on offense. And it kind of seemed like the Buccaneers were out ravening the Ravens. You know, I I don't know. I don't want to disrespect the Bucks. I mean, they they certainly made their plays, but I, I almost kind of blame the Ravens for this. You know that, or for the slow start. You know, they 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 came into this, I think, uh, you know, wanting to show some different looks off on offense, maybe throwing the ball a little bit more, maybe try to catch the Bucks off guard, and then finally they just said, forget it, we're just going to run it down your throats, and then they really started to dominate the game um you know it's going to be interesting interesting to see how the uh ravens handle this moving forward because in my opinion lamar jackson may be that guy you've got to sort of rev up let's start with the running game regardless of who who we're playing with get into a sync kind of get into the rhythm a little bit even and then he can you know kind of make those moves on the run and kind of get into the game but i almost feel like he needs that to to kind of get rolling does that make sense yeah for sure i think you know maybe got a little bit too cute on offense at the beginning um instead of establishing the run we tried to establish the pass a little bit to loosen up those running lanes it didn't really work you know a couple short drives you know as as we got into that third drive you know saw some success on the ground uh you know obviously right before uh, Lamar's unfortunate fumble, which I think was pretty much just a result of the of the weather conditions at, uh, in Baltimore. But once that happened, and uh, we really just committed to the run, we we have got we we got back to what we what we've become accustomed to seeing uh, over these past four games before this one. Yeah, you know, you, you made an interesting point. As much as I I want to say the weather could attributed to that fumble by Lamar. I mean, I'm sure it did. I, I, I'm not trying to say it had no effect. 
But I, on the other hand, I'm, I'm a little worried. I mean, this is, this is how many weeks in a row now that we've seen some questionable exchange between Lamar and the running back. So whether it is Gus Edwards and maybe it's just something that needs to be worked out between, you know, Gus and, and Lamar or whether it's, you know, a larger issue with, with Lamar as we move forward. It, it's definitely something in my mind to continue to watch. I'm, I'm, I'm concerned a bit. I mean, I, you know, certainly we've got high expectations for Lamar. He's fa- he's been fantastic, but that is one, one area you definitely need to watch it, watch out for. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we, we pretty much seen that every week and, and, you know, happened to lose this one too. And it, and it led to a touchdown for the bucks and, you know, fortunately, the Ravens were o- able to overcome that. But once you play better teams, such as the the Chargers coming up, you know, they might be able to make you pay for mistakes like that a little bit uh, more heavily. So um, the ground game again, we 242 yards rushing, you know, finally bounced back from that just 198 yard performance uh, last week. So glad to see they got back on track there. As far as you just want to watch the Ravens, you get those Chris Berman <laughs> every time our, our running backs get the ball. Now it's pretty awesome. Yeah, and and we got a really good one on Gus Edwards' touchdown run. You know, the mics picked that one up, and and it sounded just like Berman. Yeah, so I mean, if 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 we can talk a little bit about Lamar throwing the ball. And, you know, this was kind of the concern that everybody had, you know, the consistency issues, the accuracy issues. There was one in particular that was just egregious, and I couldn't really, I really couldn't believe that he missed it. And that was the throw kind of across the field to Mark Andrews. And, you know, it was, it was terribly underthrown. Andrews slipped and fell coming back for the ball, and it hit the defender in the back. I mean, that, that throw you know, Andrews had the separation that he needed to score a touchdown on that play. And, you know, coming into all these important games, those are kind of passes that need to be completed for big plays for this offense. And, and it was kind of sad to see that fall incomplete, but you know, that's just kind of what you have to expect at this point in Lamar's career, I think. Well, it is. I mean, and I think like we've talked in prior weeks, I mean, Lamar, look, we've, we've seen bad quarterback play in Baltimore, you know, whether it be the Eric Zier years to Stony case <laughs> to Tony Banks to Kyle Bowler, you know, it's the list goes on and on about bad quarterback play in Baltimore. Lamar is not, among that group, I mean, even as a rookie, even only a few games into his career, it, his throwing really doesn't concern me, as certainly as much as the fumbles, at least. Yeah. I, I think he he shows enough promise. You know, I, I and maybe, maybe I'm, I'm thinking about this the right way, but, you know, I, I'm shocker. I'm not athletic. I've never been a <laughs> quarterback, you know, but. It would it would seem to me, you know, I want my quarterback to be able to make the plays that are, I don't know if I want, want to call them simple, but but there are some plays that, for example, early in his career and even sometimes now, Joe Flacco throwing over the middle, you're waiting for the interception to happen. Yeah. So to me, watching Lamar Jackson thrive in some 
respects, throwing the ball over the middle to tight ends or to Willie Sneed or, you know, even to John Brown some over the middle. You know, I think that that excites me almost more than anything, because to me, where Lamar is going to make his money in the NFL is when he starts breaking from the pocket and then he finds that guy over the middle that got himself open and then, you know, and then he gets yak that way. It's not going to necessarily be the Joe Flacco chucking it deep, you know, big play offense. It's going to be, you know, finding the open guy and making some plays with his feet. So I, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't, I don't look at Lamar and get too concerned when, when he does make those plays or miss those plays rather that you think, Oh gosh, he should have had that because again, he's a rookie. So, you know, no, I, shoot, I gave Kyle Bowler slack as a rookie. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. he never improved, you know, <laughs> the next several years that he was the quarterback for the Ravens. So, you know, I, I think, you know, certainly down the road, if that's still a problem with Lamar, then that's one thing. But I, I you got to hope that next year, even as soon as next year, you know, that that level of play will increase. Yeah, for sure. And, and you know, it is encouraging because, you know, as – on the same drive that he missed that throw to Mandrews, he comes up and drops a dime to Willie Sneed up the seam. So, yeah. you know, he he has an, in, an innate ability to bounce back very quickly. And whether it was over the course, course of um, those first two drives in which they were really slow and then immediately bounced back for four straight scoring drives, or if it was a bad underthrow and then immediately comes around and drops a dime up the seam, he has a really good ability to bounce back and kind of flush those mistakes and, and refocus, which is good because you need your quarterback to be kind of level-headed in that sense. And I, and I do want to talk about that, that drive in, in, in which we scored that first touchdown. If you need one more example of why Lamar Jackson is so important to this running game, watch the run to Chris Moore and watch the direction that so many of the defenders go uh, on that play because several of them run the complete wrong direction because they're keying in on Lamar Jackson, whereas they should have been in position to stop Chris Moore short of that goal line, and he actually ended up scoring really easily. So, you know, that in a microcosm is just what has been so successful about adding Lamar to the running game. Any other notes that you I think I think offense? that's a perfect point. Yeah, the perfect point on the, the the replay of that touchdown run. It is it is amazing to watch, and it's just a, a a huge example of just how good Lamar Jackson is, and how much he has changed this offense. You know, another thing that I liked seeing yesterday was was uh, a little bit of his personality. You know, mm-hmm. and I, I I think it might have been in the twenty two yard touch or it wasn't a touchdown run, but the the break from the pocket yep. and he kind of got tackled at the end and popped up and gave a little first down and like did kind of a shotgun thing or something mm-hmm. i that was great to see that's cool i i like seeing that out of my quarterback that's I, as much as i you know i don't want to get on joe flacco for this but i wish he had a little, little bit more i think everybody wishes he had a little bit more rah-rah in him you know where you see some guys getting on the sideline and they, they're jawing at people and maybe they're not you know being negative and people but they're being demonstrative about leading the team and there's something to be said for having that in your quarterback as much as i love joe flacco it's cool to see some of that personality starting to come from lamar and i'm sure as we you know as he is really being given the reins of this team not just the offense but this team you know 
we're going to see more of that. So that's going to be fun to see. Yeah, that particular play was was ridiculous. I mean, he kind of ducked that sack and and turned around and kind of bolted ahead to to convert a first down and like you said had that nice celebration. So, so that was cool. And and I and I forgot to mention this when I was talking about Lamar throwing the ball. That drive right before halftime where he led the team to a field goal to retake the lead. Essentially, all of that was through the air. On that drive, he went four for yeah. six for 56 yards plus one run for seven yards, which is a scramble, not a designed run. So, I mean, yeah, we didn't score a touchdown on that drive, but he was able to pick apart the Bucks' defense through the air. So he is capable of doing it. It's just finding that consistency and kind of adjusting to or living with the misses that he does have. And and he seems yeah. to be doing just fine doing that. And, and you know, I'm sure the offense is, is liking staying out on the field, you know, dominated time of possession once again. I mean, that's just becoming the norm these days. Uh, I think the Bucks only had the ball for nine minutes in the second half. I mean, even if they wanted to come back, they didn't have a chance because the Ravens just had the ball the whole time. They had to give up the... They had to use their last time out with like four minutes left mm-hmm. in the game because yeah. they knew the Ravens were just going to run the clock out. I mean, it was it, it it continues to be impressive to watch the offense control the control the game as much as it has as much as they have been able to. So it's let's hope for more of that because it's leading to Ravens wins and and as we've said yesterday, you start to tick the boxes when the Ravens have had. Super Bowl, Super Bowl teams, excellent, excellent teams that maybe didn't make the Super Bowl, but you start looking at offense. Offense is there. They've got the running game. They've got the ball control offense. They've got the defense. They've got uh, opportunistic special teams with a solid kicking game. I mean, this is this is a typical Ravens contender right now, and uh, it'll be it'll be fun to watch them. Uh, do what they're going to do as we move forward. Yeah, absolutely. So maybe we'll go ahead and flip it over to the defense now. Um, In addition to the offense's slow start, I was kind of surprised about how effectively the Bucs were able to run the ball early on. And I was a little bit concerned with that because, you know, the Bucs are known for their passing attack and not so much for the running uh, and and I thought that it might come back to haunt the Ravens later on, but I guess they were able to make the the proper adjustments. But early on, things weren't really looking good in that run game in that run defense. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you. I mean, as much as you know, look the the game was tight in the first half. You know, the Ravens squeaked out that ten nine you know lead going into halftime. You know, there were major concerns. I mean, and and there are red flags. As much as, look, the defense gave up 12 points, they mostly dominated the game in a lot Mm -hmm. of respects. But, you know, Peyton Barber still had 19 carries for 85 yards, averaging 4.5 yards a carry with a touchdown. That's not not usual. I didn't expect that, you know, against the Ravens' defense. That's a pretty damn good game for Peyton Barber to have against the Baltimore Ravens' defense. And, you know, but, but the biggest concern for me was Mike Evans. I mean, you've got the the only person really on that Bucks Bucks offense at the moment that you've got to worry about and we let him burn us for four receptions for 120 yards or 21 yards rather. I mean that 64 yard play. I mean come on, you've got to defend that better. I mean he, he 
he basically just made himself open and yeah and then of course the penalty at the end of the play was just made to shake your head i mean i don't know if that was voluntary reaction by uh jimmy smith where he grabbed his face mask it certainly didn't it or if it was petulant i i couldn't tell but either way that's just i mean talk about rubbing salt in the wound after you give up a 64 yard play yeah, I mean, it, it just seemed like Jimmy Smith fell asleep on that. I mean, you know, they were kind of in what looked like a zone, and then, you know, he was able. Mike Evans was just able to get over the top. I mean, it was it was a really nice play by Jameis Winston to extend the play. But you would think that having a guy like Ben Roethlisberger in your division, you practice extended plays a lot. It just seemed like Jimmy Smith fell asleep, and then, like you said. You can't combine mistakes like that. I mean, reaching out and grabbing the face mask, he just didn't have to do that. And, you know, it ended up giving him a little bit more yardage there. But outside of Evans, the pass defense was was absolutely stalwart. I mean, there was really nothing else that the Bucks were able to do uh, outside of getting Evans the ball. So, I mean, they came in with one of the top-ranked passing offenses in the league. And whether it may be the... The weather conditions that did it, you know, Wink Martindale really didn't bring too many blitzes during the game, you know, wasn't all that exotic. I mean, you know, the way that they played defense against the Chiefs was much different than what they did against the Bucks here. And they kind of just let Winston make his own mistakes, I guess, you know, whether he was just missing passes yeah. or, you know, Marlon Humphrey had the interception. They kind of just let Winston beat himself. Yeah, I think the lesson here is uh, Jameis Winston is not Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> but, uh, I, you know, that's, that's a terrible comparison. No, revelation. But, but still, yeah, revelation, I know. Like, <laughs> shocker. You know, I'm sorry to the Bucks fans that might be listening to the show. I know we have a lot of Bucks fans out there. Mm-hmm. I actually did have at least one Bucks fan that I know of that, that, watched, that listened to us last week. But uh, but anyway, yeah, I, I mean, I you just like, – like I said before, I mean – the two there were two two red flags Peyton Barber and Mike Evans but quite frankly the Ravens dominated the Bucks they won as they should have they may not have won as with as large of a margin as, as I think we would have thought or as we did think last week mm-hmm. but you know we can't be that upset you know they still played fairly well um you know they they beat a team they should beat and you know there were certainly mistakes from the Lamar fumble to and not to go to special teams, but the awful, oh, God. awful, oh, my awful God. muffed punt by our boy Cyrus Jones. I, I, I mean, how stupid is that? I mean, I, I, I was watching and I almost texted you. I'm mm-hmm. sitting here thinking he just lost his job on the team. I think he felt like that. They kept showing him on the bench, and I think he thought he lost his job on the team. So, I mean, that's the dumbest thing I've seen in a long time. Yeah, I mean, so I was going to mention that, too, in, in conjunction with the defense here. But, yeah, obviously a, a really bad mistake by Cyrus Jones. I, I mean, I'm not sure that he would be able to tell you what he was thinking. But the defense holding the Bucks to a field goal there instead of allowing a touchdown was absolutely huge. I think that made yeah. it 17-12 to 12 rather than it could have been... 17 all if they had converted yeah. a two-point conversion if they want so that i mean it, it would have completely changed the game but you know holding them to a 
a field goal there at least kind of kept a little bit of the momentum on the Ravens side and didn't really give much back to the Bucks. So, you know, that was a huge stand. Obviously, the last two defensive plays of the game were absolutely incredible. The first was a third and one. The Bucks ran the ball, and Brandon Williams was two yards deep in the backfield and absolutely unloaded on Peyton Barber. And then the next play was the clutch, clutch pass breakup by Marlon Humphrey to force, force the turnover on downs. And then obviously the Ravens offense took care of business after that. But those two plays were really awesome, especially that Brandon Williams tackle. Absolutely, man. That was badass. That absolutely badass. And and not to overlook that and switch over to Humphrey, but how good has he become as a corner? And mm-hmm. and just to kind of go back to what we were talking about with Jimmy Smith, you know, I I think it's becoming fairly obvious that a big one of the first moves the Ravens are going to need to do in the offseason is cut Jimmy Smith. And if I had a choice between the two of them, or if I had to choose, I would by far start Carr over Jimmy Smith at this point. I think I'm sure a lot of people, I know there's a lot of hatred for, for Brandon Carr out there, but I, at this point, I mean, I know Jimmy Smith has a lot of talent, but I'd rather have Brandon Carr on the roster than Jimmy Smith if you're going to pay all that money for, for plays like that. Yeah, for sure. And Brandon Carr is kind of just like the steady presence outside. I mean, he doesn't seem to make all those like huge flashy plays, but generally in good position, you know, veteran presence. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I definitely like Brandon Carr a lot, too. And like you said, I mean, I do think that Jimmy Smith is going to end up being one of those initial roster moves just because his price tag is so big and haven't really gotten the production out of him that we thought we were paying for. So we'll see what happens to him. And, you know, sticking with the corners, maybe we'll move over to our game ball and I'll, I'll go ahead. We mentioned him already. Uh, I'm going to go with Marlon Humphrey. He played lights out uh, against the Bucks. He had four total passes defended. He had the interception. Um, you know, he was just so good. I, he did have kind of a tough game in Kansas City, but, you know, he bounced back and had a terrific day against the Buccaneers. Who are you going to go with your game ball? You know, I'm going Gus Edwards. Mm-hmm. You know, it's been a couple weeks since I've given my boy Gus some love. I mean, 19 carries, 104 yards, five point five yards a carry. He got a touchdown. Twenty six yard run on the day, you know, for his long longest run of the day. You know, I the reality is we've talked about it. If you're gonna give anyone a game ball on this offense, it's probably Lamar Jackson nine times out of ten. But that said, Gus Edwards, another hundred yard yard day for the rookie. Gotta got give him some love. He gets my game ball. Yeah, kind of two unheralded guys. I mean Gus Edwards uh undrafted rookie free agent Marlon Humphrey obviously a first round pick but you know even in college he was overshadowed by a lot of the different guys at Alabama um and now he's kind of been over he was a late climber up draft boards I don't know if you recall that I -hmm. I mean Marlon Humphrey was like I think an early second round pick or late first round pick for a long time on a lot of draft boards and then suddenly he flew up draft boards when people were realized oh the Ravens have a lot of interest in Marlon Humphrey so yeah I I, this this young man has you know I I think at least for me you know anytime you've got Ozzy choosing an Alabama player you got to go okay well how much of this is (laughs) you know Ozzy loving Alabama and how much of this is you know the player but I think certainly with 
with Marlon Humphrey, he, he made the right choice. There may have been others down the line that he chose that came from Alabama that weren't necessarily fantastic as it turned out, but, but Humphrey, I don't think, will be one of those. Yeah, absolutely. So let's move to our pop of the week, and I'm going to stick with my guy, Marlon Humphrey. He had a play with about five minutes and 40 seconds left in the first quarter. Uh, Jameis Winston kind of swung out a, a pass to his running back, Ronald Jones, who had a little bit of trouble catching the ball, and then all of a sudden, Marlon Humphrey absolutely whacked him in the backfield. It was a big hit. He threw up a little flex afterwards, so he was feeling himself pretty much from the get-go yesterday. Who are you going to go with for your pop of the week? I've got to go with the play you mentioned early, the, earlier, the Brandon Williams tackle mm-hmm. for a loss at the end of the game. And it was a big moment in the ball game. It was nice to see. It was funny. Before that moment happened, I remember thinking, okay, Brandon Williams is on the field. It's time for him to step up. Let's see him do something. And then right away, boom, into the backfield and drop the running back for a loss. I mean, it was it's good to see – Guys that we are paying good money to to be those players step up and make big plays and big moments. And that was that was what happened yesterday with Brandon Williams. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, first of all, on the Marlon Humphrey hit, you really don't see corners making tackles like that all that often. And then with Brandon Williams, he is just so big. I cannot even imagine what that tackle felt like you know, in the rain, in the cold, and then get hit by 350 pounds that hard. My goodness. And at the end of the game, too, you know they're already sore. You know, because at the end of the game, you got to think in some respects, especially when you're behind like the Bucks were. I know the game wasn't over, but, you know, you're starting, you know, the, the adrenaline's starting to wear off after a few hours on the field. You're really starting to feel it. And then you just get burned murdered by Brandon Williams and his 300 plus just laying into you, man, it had to be a tough Monday morning. Yeah, that's kind of the one where if you're the running back there and you don't get back into the game, uh, you, you might be okay with it. And let's just take it to the yeah. locker room. Let's let's uh, get back on this plane yeah. and go back to Tampa. <laughs> time to ice up, son, right? <laughs> time to yeah. ice up. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So now let us go inside the bank with Michael Long. He had the on-field experience this week. So let's go to him and see what that was all about. And we'll go inside the bank. All right. So now we are going to bring in Michael Long, who was not only in the stadium, but he was down on the field during warm-ups. And I'll let you let you explain the rest here, Mike. Take me through your experience on the field and, and what it was like to be down there. Yeah, it was uh, it was pretty sweet. So my, uh, like I said before, my dad has been a PSL owner the entire time the Ravens have been back in Baltimore. And uh, he got a VIP sideline experience, who I guess they give 10 to 20 different experiences for his PSL owners. And uh, we got the chance to go down on the field before the game. And uh, we pretty much had access to the whole Ravens sideline for pregame so all throughout stretches kind of throughout warm-ups and then once they break into the locker room they kind of took us over by the tunnel where they come out for intros so we got to be pretty close uh up and personal you know with that for intro so that was really really cool the defense got introduced um so we were there and then through kickoff we were able to stand like right next to the Ravens bench and the whole kind of deal was after kickoff you know we have to find our group and then we have to head back 
to whatever seats we bought. And um, so kickoff happened. The first defensive play happens. And the, the person I was with, we look at each other, we turn around and our whole group was gone. And we, <laughs> we were pretty much just like with everybody else on the sideline and everybody was wearing full rain gear. You know, you couldn't really tell who was who. And, you know, a couple more plays happen and we look at each other and we're like, are, are we just going to stay here for the whole game? Is anybody going to make us leave? And we ended up staying for that first buck series and we ended up walking back through the tunnel and making our way to our seats. But hindsight, I, I mean, we should have just, we should have just tried to blend in and act like we've been there, but Dude, you know, yeah. it was a pretty awesome experience. It was pretty sweet. Just being, being down on the field level for all that. You can appreciate the size and the speed of everybody. Um, but just being that cl- up close and personal for everybody on the bench was pretty pretty awesome. Yeah, man, you should have just thrown on a headset. You would have blended right should in. Should have. Yeah. Yeah, I was joking when we were on the sideline for the game. I was. Uh, we should have just worn khakis and bought like the player <laughs> sideline gear and like an official hat or something, and just tried to blend in as much as we could. But uh, anyway, I mean, it was it was a pretty awesome experience, and if everybody has a chance to do it, they should definitely definitely take up on it. it was it was really really cool yeah you sent me a picture you know you were like pretty much right next to terrell suggs i mean he's just a massive human being i mean he he is one intimidating dude man and you would never know he's been in the league as long as he is he looks like he's in unbelievable shape and he was just ready to rock right before kickoff all those guys were like huddled right around the heater so because it was it was cold and wet and we were right next to the heater it was facing away from us but uh, yeah, it got us got us a chance to be pretty pretty close to them. It's pretty cool. Yeah, man, you'd really really get an appreciation for just these human beings that like are the same species that we are, but just seem like Orlando aliens. Brown Jr. is not he is not the same species that we are. That guy, <laughs> he is an animal. He is huge. He towers over everybody else out there. It's the pretty drip. unbelievable. The big drip. That's right. Yeah. So then. So then once you did head up to the seats uh, where you were supposed to be, uh, you know, what was your take on the game, on the crowd, and, and how the Ravens looked? I, I've been hearing, and I guess reading, uh, and people thought it was like a sloppy game, which, I mean, it was, and I think the weather had a lot to do with that. The crowd was kind of there. I mean, it was kind of a weak turnout because of the weather. I mean, nobody wants to sit out in 40 degrees and wind and rain. But I thought the game itself was pretty good. I mean, once the offense kind of got rolling, I mean, I, I, we talked about this before. I, I really think that our new offense is very fun to watch. I mean, you never know where the ball's going to go. But, I mean, there are a couple third downs there late in the game. Uh, Marlon Humphrey's fourth down play. I mean, the crowd got pretty into it. got loud in there. But uh, overall, I mean, just very cold, very wet. But good to get out there with a the win for sure. Yeah, I mean, Ravens still undefeated in the rain this year. I mean, like I said earlier this season, every time it rains, you know, we if we make the playoffs, we got to hope it rains every game because <laughs> we can just run the ball 50 times, rack up 300 yards, and just bully people. That's right. So, I don't know. Well, so what do you think about the, uh, the Chargers coming up? You know, obviously on the road in Los Angeles, they're coming off a win against the Chiefs, but it's not that big of a home field advantage for them you know what do we think we can do there right so i i don't think it's as big of a home field advantage obviously they got that little tiny stadium over there that i think ravens fans will probably travel pretty well out there to get a trip to california around christmas time but 
I mean, as far as the challenge is concerned, I mean, we went into Arrowhead in colder weather than we're going to face out in L.A., and Lamar handled his business, and we should have won that game. So, I mean, the Chiefs played pretty well against L.A. a few weeks ago. Aside from blowing the lead, they outplayed them. So I think they're pretty comparable teams. And, you know, if I'll give us a, a chance to beat them on the road. You know, as long as we can control the ball, limit turnovers, and control the clock again, I think we have a decent chance to go up there and make an upset. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it, it's kind of the same deal. I mean, the Chargers have more of a prolific passing offense than we do just kind of like the way that the chiefs did. And, you know, if we can keep play, keep away from them, you know, we got a chance and just like, just like any other week. So I think this may be the last inside the bank for the season, unless the Ravens get a home playoff game. So appreciate you joining us all year. Yep. Never know, but I'll, I'll say it now. Appreciate you joining us all year. We're, we're looking forward to having you back on next year and maybe some guest appearances uh, along as the season continues. Thank you, Mike. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. All right. Thank you again to Mike. He's been great all season. I mean, at so many of these games for us, giving us a look at uh, what it's like to be in the crowd and now even down on the field. So, I guess now let's move over to our bulletin board material and look forward to week 16. Wow, week 16, that is wild, uh, against the Los Angeles Chargers, who are a very hot team at the moment. You know, they're coming off a win against the... Huge win. Yeah, yeah, big comeback win against the Chiefs, and they're coming off 10 days of rest for this game. You know, what are some of the things that we got to watch out for with these Chargers as we travel to... Uh, not we, as the Ravens travel to Los Angeles. You know, you you really have to fear the Chargers. I mean, to do what they did last week to the Chiefs. I mean, you think about the Chiefs basically, you know, <clears throat> coming off a magical win at home, then having another home game against the Chargers, going up 14 nothing, and somehow losing the game. I mean, that's that's a team that we saw last week that, you know, after the game, you're saying, okay, it's not not a question of necessarily will it happen, but when, you know, as far as whether Patrick Mahomes, Patrick Mahomes will have a Super Bowl title. So the, you can't take lightly the fact that Phil Rivers takes his Chargers into town and comes away with a with a victory and, and a comeback victory at that away in Arrowhead. Mm-hmm. And this team is, is one to be reckoned with. So in addition to that win at Kansas City and that come-behind fashion, they did kind of the same thing to the Steelers in Pittsburgh. So, you know, it it is a team that has the ability to come back and, you know, kind of rectify things late. Um, So, you know, they obviously have really talented players. I think it seems like they're getting Melvin Gordon the third back for this game. You know, he's a terrific running back, uh, you know, was very good before he got hurt. So, you know, now that he's back, it kind of adds another uh, dimension to their offense. You know, Philip Rivers probably paying, playing some of the best football of his career. I mean, he likes to spread the ball around. You know, Keenan Allen should be active for this game. They have Tyrell Williams, Mike Williams, who had the big game against uh, the Chiefs. They also have Travis Benjamin, who can stretch the field. And old man Antonio Gates is somehow still getting it done at the tight end position. So they have a ton of weapons that they can spread the ball around to. I think the defense might have their hands full here. So, 
maybe let's talk about some bulletin board material. Who are you putting on notice? Well, I, I am choosing the revenge game player, Mister Mister Eric Weddle. Mm. You know, this is this is a nice nice game for him to uh, pick up all those San Diego fans like our BS star friend Jabby Burns, put them on his back, and and get. Get some revenge for leaving San Diego and going up the road to Los Angeles. It's the per- perfect game for Eric Weddle to come in. And, you know, Philip Rivers, we were teammates for a while, but I'm going to pick you off two or three times and maybe have a huge game and show everyone in that Chargers front office that maybe I should have been signed long-term like Philip Rivers and been that quarterback of the defense for the Chargers. Instead, he's in Baltimore. We're happy to have him, but Eric Weddle, you're on the bulletin board. It's time to play next week yet again. Yeah, I'm excited to see what kind of insight that he might bring into that offense. I'm sure some of the schemes and things like that have changed, but you know he knows a lot of those guys very well still, so I'm excited to see what Eric Weddle will be able to do. So if we talk about the other matchup, the Ravens offense against the Chargers defense, I think this is the best defense that the Ravens have seen since Lamar took over. I mean, they're in in the top 10 in both yards allowed and points allowed. They're a top 10 rush defense. So it's kind of our strength running the ball versus something that the Chargers are really good at, stopping the run. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, what, what that what that goes like and and you know maybe I'll talk about who I'm putting on notice this week and it's going to be the offensive line and the tight ends in that run blocking game Uh, we talked about how much attention Lamar Jackson gets in the running game but it's not possible without getting a push from the offensive line now you know the Chargers are, are pretty good up front. They have good linebackers. I mean Joey Bosa has has been back for several weeks now. He's he's getting back into the groove of things and playing really well. So are we going to be able to continue to run the ball on a now good defensive running team? And I think that the answer is yes. I mean we we just have so many different ways that we can do it on the ground, and I think we will be able to run the ball. But either way, offensive line, tight ends, whoever is run blocking. You're on notice. You're on the bulletin board. Eric Weddle, revenge game. Let's see you get it done. As the Ravens travel to Los Angeles, the Chargers are favored by four and a half points here. Now, maybe we can talk about the playoff picture a little bit and see what the Ravens have to do. So, we think if the Ravens just keep winning, if they beat the Chargers and the Browns, we're in. But if we lose this game to the Chargers... Things get awful complicated with all the tiebreakers and, you know, who beats who and, and, you know, conference records and stuff like that. Chargers are favored by four and a half points. Do you think the Ravens can get it done in Los Angeles? It, it, it's going to be it's going to be tough. Um, you know, I'm going to be positive in my prediction. But the realistic part of me, I I, I can't look at this as a win, but I, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna bleed purple and wear purple colored glasses when I make my prediction. But you know, I, I, before I do that, I you know I think it's going to be important for the Ravens to come out like you said. I believe you said establish the run, make sure that we start the game with that mindset because a team like the Church. Chargers, you're not going to be able to come out and try to be cute 
and then come back and say, okay, well, screw it. Now I'm going to play my game and we're going to run over you. Well, A, the Chargers may be too far ahead at that point, but B, their defense is too good for you to expect to be able to run over them and get back in the ball game. So you've got to start that way. Show that this is how we're going to win. You know it. We know it. And we're still going to do it. Run it down their throats. Let Lamar Jackson be Lamar. And then let him start throwing when it makes sense. I think that's the safest way to do things. Not only with Lamar, with his skill set currently, but just the fact that you've got a rookie quarterback. You know, it's similar to what the Ravens did with the Joe Flacco back when he was a rookie. And you've got Willis McGahee and uh, uh, LaRon McClain and this jumbo package offensive line. And you're riding that to the playoffs. Well, it, it's a similar idea in a lot of respects to what you're doing now with Lamar. You've got the offensive line that is gelling. And even I think we saw a jumbo package on Sunday where Bozeman came in and added another offensive lineman to the mix. So, you you know, it's it's the same kind of deal. It's a safe way in a lot of respects to run an offense with a rookie, you know, for it to be run heavy. Now, obviously this is very different because you've got a a guy like Lamar Jackson, who's also doing a bulk of the running, but you know, it's the smart way to go about it with a rookie quarterback. So anyway, I'll, I'll, I'll get off this tangent by just saying that, the Ravens are going to have to establish the run early and they're going to have to continue that throughout. As you establish that run, I guarantee you Lamar will be able to start picking his spots when needed because quite frankly, in, in just about in more, I, I should say I more often than not, I believe, and maybe the stats won't back this up, but from what I've seen, I feel like Lamar, has made the passes when he's needed to. Mm-hmm. Maybe he doesn't make every pass. Maybe some of them are ugly. But he seems to make the big pass when he needs to. So you got to figure, let's get that run going and then let, let Lamar be Lamar and whatever will be, will be. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Lamar's been really good on third down in particular, you know, whether it's finding Willie Sneed or one of his tight ends. He's been really good. Like you said, when the throws matter, he seems to make them. Uh, Do you have a score prediction? You know, I'm going to go, you know, this is a tough one because it could be, I look at both of these offenses and you got to look at the Chargers and think, look, any, anytime you get Phillip Rivers on the field, he's, He's going to score some points. So, you know, I look at the Ravens and I want to think, well, if the Ravens win the game, it's probably going to need to be somewhat low scoring. But at the same time, the Chargers can kind of win that kind of a ball game too, especially if they get Gordon back and they've got a pretty good defense. So it's, it's, I, I keep hemming and hawing here, but I'm going to say, I'm going to say 24 to 21 Ravens. Uh, and as I said, that's that's more me with Ravens purple colored glasses and bleeding purple than it is real, really how I think what's going to happen. 
Yeah, no, I'm 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 with you, and I'm going to pick the Ravens too, and that's pretty much just because the Ravens have to win this game, uh, essentially. Yes. Uh, to to you know give themselves a good opportunity to make the playoffs, and when we did uh, uh, several weeks ago, when we did our look at the second half, and you know what what we thought was going to happen. I said that the Chargers just kind of have a way of beating themselves, you know, and they've done that a few times in the past few years. And contrary to that point that I've made, they've won 10 of their last 11 games. They said 11-3, but I think this is the game where they kind of beat themselves. I think Wink Martindale employs a defense closer to what we saw against the Chiefs than we did against the Buccaneers, you know, bringing exotic blitzes, a lot of different kind of pressures. Phillip Rivers is prone to throwing some questionable passes, some questionable interceptions. I think with how well Marlon Humphrey is playing, you know, he might he might get involved again. I think Eric Weddle, like you said, is going to be really motivated to play well. I think this defense is going to have another big game here. And, and, you know, they're kind of going to be the reason that I predict that we're going to win this game. I'm going to say, very similar to yours, I was thinking 27-24 Ravens. Uh, we, we're going to go into Los Angeles and win. And I don't know, uh, I mean, and and I think that's just because I think we have to win. And, and you know, it's going to be very difficult. You know, the, the Chargers offense... It's really hard to stop. I mean, they have so many different ways in which they can beat you. But I think this defense has been up to the challenge essentially all year. Maybe, you know, just a couple games have been, you know, to the contrary of that. But I think this defense comes ready to play. They're playing so well in in the recent weeks. I think we control the clock once again and really challenge the Chargers defense and get out of there with a win. Well, you know, it just as I as I was thinking, I mean, you know, I mentioned earlier, you know, there's certainly uh, has been a, a similar narrative in some respects to the story of Ravens seasons when they've when they've had particularly good seasons or the Super Bowl, the Super Bowl years, you know, it, it, certainly on the flip side of that, you know, for this week, you know, Philip Rivers is certainly a guy that if, if the Ravens, if it, if not the Ravens. You know, it would be great to see a guy like Philip Rivers, you know, win a Super Bowl. I don't know that I want to see the owner of the Chargers, Dean Spanos, you know, raising a Super Bowl trophy anytime soon. You know, but I will say that, you know, Philip Rivers is certainly a guy that, uh, you know, deserves one before he retires. He's had a fantastic career and, you know, similar to Drew Brees, who at least has a Super Bowl you know, Philip Rivers is another one of those guys that somewhat get lo- gets lost in the shuffle. You know, when you talk about guys who have been fantastic NFL quarterbacks, and you know, Philip Rivers has been just a, a, a great pro. When you think about how he, speaking of Drew Brees, had to sit behind Drew Brees, you know, for a few years before he finally got, you know, the chance to uh, to to get the ball in San Diego, and you know, the whole drama um, when he was drafted and mm-hmm. traded for, for Eli Manning and you know he's he's had a pretty notable and fantastic NFL career and uh you know I just, just thought that should be said you know certainly I hope the Ravens win and you know not only you know on Sunday but you know anytime or I guess I take that back is it Saturday this week it's a Saturday game yes that's correct yeah so so anyway we'll just say this weekend you know, 
that, you know, I certainly want the Ravens to win, but you know, there, there are always going to be stories to every NFL season. And certainly one that ends with Philip Rivers, you know, hoisting a trophy would also wouldn't be a terrible thing. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, as much as Philip Rivers kind of gets overlooked because of all these other big time quarterbacks, I had to look up who the Chargers coach was today. It's Anthony Lynn. He's in his second year. He's got him sitting at eleven and three, and I had no idea what his what his name was. But you know, he's done a tremendous job over there. You know, I think we should also mention a guy that a lot of people in Baltimore wanted to draft. Derwin James sits in that secondary, and we can get to see him. Uh, you know, in first person there. He's a really good player. I think he could have a big impact on this game and, you know, maybe make maybe make some people second guess. You know, maybe we shouldn't have traded back. Maybe we should have just taken James up there. But, you know, it, it's going to be a great game. I think it's going to have another playoff feel to it. As far as the gameplay goes, I'm not sure how good of a home field advantage there is there. But, you know, it, it's yeah, two really good teams say, going well, at it. They have a playoff may have a playoff you know feel between the two teams on the field mm-hmm. i don't know if the stadium itself will have a playoff field that'll it, it, i was just kind of thinking about that you know and and it'll be interesting to just kind of observe the the crowd mm-hmm. you know at the game yep absolutely so we both have a ravens win coming up this saturday Kind of more because the Ravens kind of have to win rather than, you know, our, our usual rational thoughts that we always give on this show. Totally <laughs> rational. Completely. <laughs> completely and utterly rational. Yep. Absolutely. So, Holly, you want to go ahead and sign us off? All right, everybody. Thanks for listening this week. We will catch you next week on Crab Takes and Football. Let's go Ravens. Go Ravens. Go Ravens.